Welcome to CPAC Today in Politics. Coming up, there are reports the U.S. border will reopen to Canadian travelers next month. I think it's a, a huge deal, especially for those communities along the border. And, and let's face it, that's, that's millions of Canadians probably when you add them all up. Vaccine mandates could soon lead to a shortage of healthcare workers in Canada. I would have thought that at this time, especially with the fact that we're we, we are in need of nurses, that people would do a last effort. And that's the reason I will meet with the union, because I think they have more and more a good constructive tone. And I think the union should help also. And Alberta Premier Jason Kenney introduces a new app for proof of vaccination and says vaccine passports will remain in place into the new year. Even if we continue to see downward momentum in the case numbers uh, and hospitalization numbers, uh, and even if we exit this fourth wave through the month of October, we will have to be on our guard as we go into uh, colder weather when people spend more time indoors. It's Wednesday, October 13th. I'm Mark Sutcliffe. Let's get right to the top political stories this morning. I'm joined by longtime political writer and broadcaster, Dan Legere. Good morning, Dan. Hi, Mark. So the big news this morning for Canadian travelers who want to go to the United States is it looks like the border is going to reopen again for those who are, are traveling across the land border. Um, and this is something that a lot of Canadians have been waiting for for a long time. Canada's been lumped in with Mexico on this, which is, I think, part of the reason why it's taken so long, even though the... The, the border's been open to American travelers driving into Canada for a couple of months now. So uh, we're hearing it's going to be in November, although there's been no official announcement from the White House. This would be a big change, wouldn't it, after almost two years? Yeah, it, it is. It's a massive change. And, um, you know, I, I never really understood why the Americans considered, you know, the Mexican border and the Canadian border to be more or less equivalent in, in this regard, uh, because I think, you know, Canada had gone a lot farther to vaccinate people and to keep the uh, keep people safe. But anyway, that's that's their call. Um, and, you know, it's, it's great for the snowbirds and the people who want to go off to the desert and whatnot in the wintertime. But I think it's much more significant for the hundreds and hundreds of border communities on both sides of the Canada-U.S. border you know, where people go back and forth to get their gas and, and uh, work and, and study and do all kinds of day-to-day things that have been severely restricted, uh, if not utterly forbidden for the past uh, 18 or 19 months. So I think it's a, a huge deal, especially for those communities along the border. And, and let's face it, that's, that's millions of Canadians probably when you add them all up. Speaking of COVID, uh, let's talk about the prospect of there being uh, a health care shortage, uh, a shortage in health care and long-term care workers because of the COVID-19 vaccine mandates. There's already been uh, pressure on, on, the, on the labor force in those areas, uh, even prior to COVID. Uh, the, the workforce, of course, has been overburdened by the circumstances of the pandemic and the the work involved in that. But uh, because of of the fact that there's going to be a mandate for them to be vaccinated, uh, that that could mean some layoffs and and even fewer people working in that area. So there's there's the potential for a, a pretty big problem here, isn't there? 
There is. And, uh, you know, every single uh, healthcare worker, I mean, starting from your high end, uh, you know, folks at the top, right through to the person who's uh, washing the floor, um, has been through, you know, like again, 18, 19 months of incredibly long hours, dangerous conditions, uncertainty. Um, and some healthcare workers, as we know, have been exposed to threats and violence and all kinds of crazy things. Um, so, and every healthcare system in the pro- in the country, almost every healthcare system in the country, is pretty much maxed out. Uh, even down east here, where uh, things have been a little bit better, there's worrisome outbreaks now in in New Brunswick, and cases have been creeping up in uh, Nova Scotia as well. So. Um, you know, even one percent of those people not showing up for work uh, is going to further strain the system. However, you know, my interpretation is a bit different. I, I wouldn't blame the vaccine mandate. I blame the people who don't want to take the vaccine and who uh, don't want to take that elementary step toward protecting public health and the health of their patients and the people under their care. I mean, they wouldn't think of of uh, of uh, of working on a patient without washing their hands, um, you know they wouldn't come to work if they knew they had an infectious disease. All of these basic um, health measures that are taken in our healthcare environment every single day um, are, are taken for granted, except for this one. And um, that, to me, is the problem. Uh, those people have got to uh, decide for themselves that it's in their interest and in the interests of the of public safety and public health to get vaccinated if they're going to continue working in the healthcare system. And uh, this is yet another curveball that this pandemic has thrown into our into the way we try to manage our lives. All right. And, and speaking of, of uh, proof of vaccination, um, Alberta has introduced a new app that will allow businesses to scan customers' proof of, of vaccination. And as well, Jason Kenney is saying that the, the, the Alberta version of a vaccine passport uh, is likely going to be in place until at least the first quarter of next year. Um, it's, it's interesting to see that coming from Jason Kenney after... Uh, he, in the summer, uh, tried to declare the pandemic over, basically, isn't it? Right. Well, I mean, Jason Kenney, again, as, as we said on the show before, has had a consistent run of wrong decisions, a consistent run of dangerous wrong decisions that have led to way more illness and death in Alberta than is required. Uh, I, I just shake my head um every day every time i see them come on i saw him bragging on tv yesterday about all the great uh, achievements that his government has made in fighting COVID, and yet they have all these cases they've had to come to this incredible decision finally that they're not going to triage little children uh who get COVID, uh you know for for further care i mean someone had to wake up in alberta to reverse that idea that was that was approved by Alberta Health. So I just, I'm boggled, Mark, what's going on out there. I hope they're getting it together. And the fact that Kenny has now realized, oh, yeah, we're going to have to have these measures in place for a few more months. I mean, the early months of next year, that's not that far away. Uh, it's October now. So a few more months? Yes, it's going to be a few more months. I would be surprised if it got done in 2022, the way they're going. So, you know, this is a, 
this is just a sprawling crisis that Kenny has proven himself over and over again to be unable to deal with. And Albertans are paying the price. Uh, so I, I'm amazed that he even stays in office some days. It's it just, like I said, I've never seen anything quite like it. Mm. All right. Turning away from the pandemic, Dan, let's talk for a moment about the fact that the Ontario government has not yet signed a deal with the federal government on child care. In part, it appears because of a disagreement over money. This is uh, obviously during the election. It was a key part of the the Trudeau platform uh, to have $10 a day daycare across the country. Uh, but there's a stumbling block in Ontario. Yeah, uh, it appears the Ford government is is more or less making the taking the position that since Ontario has 40% of the national population, that it should get 40% of this $30 billion uh, that the feds are proposing to spend over the next five years on this national daycare program. Um, you know, you know, Ontario is the biggest province, and, and it has very, very justified uh, needs for its population and its working families. Um, and in it, Ontario should get every single thing that is entitled to. And uh, let's face it, these are negotiations, and negotiations between the feds and provinces over money are nothing unusual. I mean, I, I kind of feel that the pressure is going to end up being on the Ford government at some point from working families in Ontario who want the program to go ahead, who want the $10 daycare to happen. Um, and a lot of those people voted for liberals in the federal go- uh, election that just passed. And a lot of those people, I suspect, voted on the basis of, well, the Liberals are going to bring in this daycare program, and this is something we need. So, um, you know, I, I, 40% of the money, because it has 40% of the population, that is um, not really how it generally works in Canada. Um, you know, the Harper government brought in per capita health care funding increases, um, you know, that they uh, put out there, and that put a lot more money into places like Alberta. And... Um, but, you know, I, I don't know that this is a very helpful way to look at this particular program. But again, it's negotiations and uh, and we'll see where it goes. But now they've put it on the radar and I'm sure all the provinces will be watching this keenly to see uh, where it leaves them. All right. Good stuff, Dan. Thank you so much for joining us today. OK, Mark. That's Dan Legere, longtime political writer and broadcaster. Now, here's what political columnists and commentators are writing about today. In the National Post, Kelly McParland writes that rendering itself forever beholden to Western interests has become a liability for the Conservative Party. McParland writes, Canada is changing, quite drastically in some regards. Do the Tories wish to change with it, or hunker down as a right-wing version of the New Democrats, fated to a safe and secure place on opposition benches? The agenda that motivates the most conservative elements of the Conservative Party isn't shared widely enough to get the party elected. If they want to broaden their support and make sure it lasts longer than an election or two, they're going to have to risk losing some Western voters. At ctvnews.ca, Tom Mulcair argues Christia Freeland is positioning herself to take over as liberal leader. Mulcair writes, Much like Michael Ignatieff, Freeland became almost famous south of the border with her writings and media savvy. Unlike Ignatieff, she's actually got some experience in government, having ably run key ministries and, most admirably, outfoxing Donald Trump during the renegotiation of NAFTA. 
Of the five political parties with MPs in the House, only the Liberals have never had a woman as leader. Justin Trudeau will be doing everything he can to help Freeland get his job if and when he decides to pack it in. He may have failed on key feminist promises, but he's going to try to leave Freeland's leadership as part of his succession. In the Toronto Star, Chris Kiefer and Raghu Venugopal argue a nursing crisis is a public crisis. They write, This is National Emergency Nurses Week, a time to honour one of Canada's most challenging and important professions. However, this year we face a rapidly deteriorating nursing crisis requiring urgent attention. The exodus of nurses is startling, and if not stemmed, will cripple our healthcare system for at least a decade. Every one of us will require a nurse. There is no escaping illness, injury, and the effects of aging. It is in all of our interest to have a strong and well-supported nursing profession. Now, here's what's coming up on Canada's political agenda today. The Prime Minister will virtually deliver remarks at the Malmo International Forum on Holocaust Remembrance and Combating Anti-Semitism. He will also meet with the Federation of Canadian Municipalities Big City Mayor's Caucus. And that's CPAC Today in Politics for Wednesday, October the 13th. Tune into Primetime Politics every weeknight on CPAC for coverage of all the day's events. Our podcast returns tomorrow morning. Have a great day.